so I'll tell you, Kason. I mean, I'll tell the audience, I guess, too. Um, it's my birthday. I turned 29 today. It's um, all downhill from here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So that's kind of that's uh, that's part of what I want to talk to you about. Um, not really, but it is it, it weighed on me a little bit. Um, my I feel like this is my last year. I can in any way consider myself youth, right? Um, yeah. All right. So, but beyond that, we've talked about this. I think both you and I maybe struggle with procrastination. Yeah, that's okay. uh, that's an understatement. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I want to think about it in this way. I thought about it last night. Um, I got a really crazy migraine yesterday at work and went home. Ooh. I got like really light sensitive. Um, and like laid down in the dark for four hours or something and felt a lot better. But then I had trouble sleeping last night. And I started thinking about the life of all of these half-finished projects I have lying around. Um, And I just kind of want to discuss that with you. Like what you, I know you have um, some unfinished projects. I don't know how many. (laughs) Um, Naturally. Yeah, I probably have more unfinished projects than things I've ever completed. And I've completed a lot of artwork, a lot of drawings, paintings, musical recordings, you know, all sorts of stuff. Um, But I have some of my favorite things that I've ever worked on, I've never completed. Well, here's the thing. There's, um, I was actually listening to a podcast uh, um, uh, by Malcolm Gladwell. It's called Revisionist History. And he does um, an episode that talks about a little bit what you're uh, talking about. It talks about um, the two different kinds. He puts them both into different kinds of categories. You have people that um, like just get on something and they focus and they finish it. And then you have people that just tinker and they keep working and they work over and they keep uh. like just keep coming back to it. And the, uh, the, the song Hallelujah was a great example of that. Um, Leonard Cohen um, oh, originally yeah. wrote that song and he wrote like like hundreds of verses as far as I know and yeah. then um, he just kept writing he kept right. on writing and it was like it was never really finished and the uh, version of, of that song that we actually got to hear that actually made it famous was a cover of a cover so it was like someone else had covered Leonard Cohen and then um, then like uh, I, was, I forgot what the name of the artist Jeff was Buckley. Jeff Buckley yeah. Jeff Buckley yeah. um, that, that found really like that popular. recording and then, like, he drowned. Yeah. Um, in, and then in that Memphis. brought, like, the whole thing back into, like, the, you know, the, the public um, eye. And that is a version of the song that most people know. It's a Jeff Buckley version. That's really interesting you say that. So I came of age in Memphis, Tennessee, you know, before moving down here. I went to high school, like, an hour north of Memphis in a rural town. It was kind of awful kind of awesome um but you know i i moved out um when i could and went to the city and lived in like the midtown area um and lived there for almost 10 years or so um moved around here and there but so i got into like the open mic scene the coffee shops like indie music acoustic guitars poetry people you know and i'm a hippie yeah kind of of. a little bit of hippie a little bit hipster like beat era kind of interested stuff um a lot of 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, or 37-year-olds who never <laughs> made it big but are actually beautiful singers and yeah, stuff. Yeah. You know, some really well, good talented people. There are a lot more of those people. people that never made it than people than the ones that did. So Yeah, absolutely. But, so, that was where Jeff Buckley used to hang out. Like, that was his wow. area. He was, like, 
famous from like a generation ago like he used to visit those spots and died and like so yeah i heard every single person who's ever played an acoustic guitar in memphis i've heard Did sing you? hallelujah wow that's <laughs> um but it is a beautiful song and it kind of that's a, i like the way you put that because i would i didn't wasn't thinking of it like that hallelujah was living kind of like um almost like uh you would experience like biblical songs or yeah. uh stuff you know that's that lived in it you could tell you could if we went through the verses and we each were like all right we're both going to cover uh do a 12 verse version of yeah. hallelujah we could each pick out different 12 verses and it verses. would be completely different like kind of feel say to song so it's like yeah. it's very interesting that um there's a lot of i describe myself kind of like um sarah and i um my girlfriend sarah uh, we're fairly opposite in the way that we handle things when it comes to projects and stuff like that. She is the planner. She needs to know what is going to be involved in something before she does it. I describe myself as a shark. I have to keep moving in a direction. If I am doing something, shipping away at a big project, I feel like I'm accomplishing something. If I'm planning, I, I just, I don't do well in that whole not doing anything stage. Right. So we're very different in the way that we go about things. <clears throat> I gotta, I gotta do something. It doesn't necessarily mean that I have to finish, but I have to be moving in a direction. Um, so I think that's it. it I'm a little ADD, <clears throat> so I have a tendency to like just get excited about something, and then I feel that I get motivation, and I use that motivation till it goes away, and that motivate that that doesn't always last to completion, but that's how I kind of jump on things i get excited and then I, I just like oh i have this now i gotta work on it while i still have the excitement for it and then eventually that excitement goes away and then you know maybe we'll come back for a month or a year or whatever and that's yeah probably to... i i tend to work very similar way um i feel like art you know i've made especially with my paintings and stuff um i make very like spontaneous art like very in the moment um you know, I, I'll have like loose themes and stuff, but I'll just go for it and start going. And yeah, I, I guess that's why. Um, do you think that's something that's like with someone? Do you think that's a, a creative process that you just have? Or do you think that's like if uh, I trained myself, I could be the other kind? Because um, it doesn't sound as fun to me, but it I seems think, more productive. I think that you can. Here's the thing. I think that... I, am, I don't really subscribe to the idea that a person is stuck at wherever they're at. I, I've always True. had the belief that you are in full control of you. There are certain things that you've gotten from you know your environment. There are certain things that you've gotten from your, your genetic makeup from both your parents, you know, from your family. But I think that it, it's harder to overcome some of those things, but they can always be overcome. I think that if you truly want to change something, the, the way that you see things, the way that you think about things, if you work hard enough to, you can. Is that necessarily good for you? Is it necessarily trying to go against your nature? It's not going to end up working out in your best interest, in my opinion, but you can. Um, I think that if I can try to bottle some of you know that spontaneous energy that I have and then try to focus a little bit, that would be my ultimate goal is to be able to, if I need to do something, take a lot of the crazy, whimsical kind of like, you know, I'm really excited about doing this now, and focus it. That would be the ideal situation for right. me. So yeah, I feel, now that I think about it for a second, I feel like it's almost 
different. Like, um, you could do one or the other, you could do them both, it wouldn't matter, but you're never gonna get the same results from either. Cause like, when I, when I feel struck by an inspiration, I, and I go for it and something happens, like in any medium, um, writing though especially maybe, uh, it feels as if I'm not writing it, you know, it feels received. Um, and like, I'm surprised when I'm done writing, I'm like, whoa, that's what came out, you know? And that's a beautiful feeling. And I feel like, um, I watched this thing with Stephen King where he was like, oh, when I'm in work mode, when I decide I'm writing a book, I sit down and I don't leave my uh, chair or my computer until I've written six pages. And I'll write six pages every day until the book's done, no matter what. And like, I guess that makes sense, but that's probably why some Stephen King books are better than others. Because, I mean, yeah, I could sit down and write six pages every day or draw, you know, at least this much every day. But a lot of it would probably be crap, but I guess you would develop motor skills and habits that would assist you even further when a divine moment of inspiration strikes. And that's what I, I was going to um, chime in on, was like my younger brother has become, I mean, he's always been a good artist, but he's oh, Kurt's a awesome. phenomenal artist because he just decided he was going to do it. And the thing is that nothing replaces that work, especially when it comes to art, when it comes to drawing, painting. Nothing replaces just that putting pen to paper, putting that, you know, like, um, you know, doing the collage, cutting things out, putting, you know, you know, uh, you know pa paper to, I mean, like a paint to canvas. Yeah. Once you get to that point where you've been doing it, even when you force yourself to do it, the production might not be great at that point, but it's giving you skills that when you do get it, that inspiration, it will be better. So I always, it's hard but I always think that the best way to get good at anything is just to do it. The any, any artist that I know that's good does it all the time. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not they're inspired, they just do it. They could do something, and like you look at any, you know, I'm sure you know a lot of artists. You go to their place of work, and they're just they're stuck everywhere. Oh yeah, yeah. They're all over the place. But when you see their their like inspired work, you're like, yeah, that's that's awesome. But all the other stuff is just practice. That's a good point. That's a good way of looking at it. Um, hmm. Something, uh, I just, you know, I just got this um, Zoom H4n that we're using to record maybe this one, see how the quality turns out, um, or maybe later we'll tweak it a little bit. Um, still new to us. But one of the things I wanted to do with this was try and record every day, record some thoughts. Um, yeah, because I think it's different talking than writing. Yeah. Um, I've, ri I've done periods in my life where I've written down every day. I've written like small ideas and stuff. But I think recording might be a little more fun and easy. I'm a little more, um, I don't know, you could be a little bit looser with it. Yeah. Um, and try to like flesh out some of these uh, ideas that I've had. Like these half like written down, jog down ideas like, Here's an idea for a short story. Here's an idea for a play. You know, these things. And I have, like, plot outlines written down, like, tons of them. Yeah. And uh, maybe just, like, pick it up and be like, I'm going to work on this this week. And, you know. I think, I, like, I had a, a good friend in high school um, that we were, I had this I, this story. And it would go back and forth. Like, 
I would write a page and she would write a page and page and I would write a page she would and I started out with my my version of the story and it was kind of like you know a silly little like space opera type thing and um, it ended up being a really really neat little story getting my perspective and then her perspective and on the same subject and it, it didn't to me seem like you could tell it was two different authors right so and I, I've always thought about doing something like that again it was a fun little thing and I, I wish I could find that notebook yeah that sounds really cool um as an aside I read a uh... Oh, I can't remember the two authors. Um, William Gibson and... Oh, I can't remember the other author. And now I don't know if I can remember the name of the book. But I read this book. It was pretty cool. Two different authors. They each wrote uh, the chapters um, split, you know, mm -hmm. one to one to one to one. And it felt very seamless and it was very interesting. Um, but knowing that it was two different people felt really cool and they had like all these rules and stuff that they followed yeah. it was interesting i have a couple ideas for a, a, i don't know like I, I there's one idea that i can see either being a book or a film and i've always like i'm not a super number one i have trouble focusing <laughs> number two i'm not a super um good writer so i've always been like oh, i wonder if i can pitch this idea to some of my friends right maybe i'll talk to you about it i think it's an interesting idea yeah i think that could be fun um so I mentioned to you that I wanted to uh, start my another podcast, um, something a little more experimental and personal, and it seemed like you were interested in that too. What are you yeah. thinking of? Um, I've wanted to start a podcast for a while. Um, I had a group of friends when I was in high school um, uh, that I would just get onto like either topics on politics or whatever, whatever, and I just rant. And they were like, "You should get do a podcast or like a, a YouTube channel." where you just come on and like talk about the things that you're interested in called a case in point and they even like made me a t-shirt with my face on it. it was pretty cool um and i have like a logo and everything i just never like i couldn't come up with a like cohesive subject matter something i could talk about that would have some sort of theme that would flow out flow throughout i mean i feel like if you have someone else to go back and forth with as a subject it makes it a little bit more interesting but if it's just you you've got to come up with some something that makes the story the makes it cohesive oh yeah absolutely i've um yeah i've tried listening to a few podcasts that were like one person just talking like going on rants or monologues mm -hmm. and i found them pretty dry yeah and um, that's what i was worried of that's why i haven't done it i'm just like how do i make this interesting i, I don't mean you could be the tommy and... lauren of... <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't like to try to tell people what to think or how to you know how they should what they should do, how you know what they should believe. I like to have interesting conversations about topics. I want to hear what other people have to say about the things that even I'm interested in. Um, I don't think I'm an authority on anything. I mean, I, I can speak on my experience, but I can't tell. You know, I can't say I'm an expert on anything. And I was kind of going, wanted to go on and on the whole like I'm a black nerd angle, but you know, there's a lot of people that do that well. You know, <laughs> better than I would, I would do it. So there's some really entertaining black nerds out there. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, my blurds. <laughs> that's the second time blurds have, or maybe the third time have come up on this podcast. That's, <laughs> yeah. Um, my, um, the one I want to do, if anyone's interested out there to get in contact with us, um, get in contact with me directly if you'd like through Facebook. Um, 
I'm doing this one that I think my working title for it is gonna is a a matter of faith, and I want to interview people that have had profound changes of faith in their life or belief system uh, changes from all sorts of directions and try and like delve into that and um, see some see if I see any connections or meanings there and it'll help me start my church uh, the church of the bitten apple <laughs> or your cult yeah well <laughs> church cult it all depends you know they're pretty much the same thing I think uh, a cult with a master that delivers you back to the abyss of your own freedom that's a good thing, yeah. That's 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 where I want to do in the next year, is form a cult, you know, right? Yeah. Yeah, but if anyone's interested, um... <laughs> we have all the flavors. Um, every Kool-Aid flavor, the discontinued flavors, we have them all. All on backstock. Color changing. Um. And when you drink our Kool-Aid, you can jump through walls. <laughs> Not guaranteed uh, by stuff you get in the store. It hasn't been blessed. Um, but yeah, no, on a serious note, if anyone um, has had an experience like that, whether that's growing up in one religion and going to another or growing up secular and deciding um, that you're religious, and it doesn't have to be, of course, goes without saying, I think, um, a specific organized religion um, and I'm also interested in people who have lost faith uh, who have decided at some point in their life that you know what no I'm an atheist you know and they grew up in a devout um, Christian or Hindu homes you know something like that I think there's something that uh, is really profound in those kind of experiences in people's lives and um, you know the older I get the more I think that the way we change the world, we have to draw some kind of lesson from the religious or spiritual uh, realm rather than just the political or just the cultural. I think, you know, like the spiritual or whatever you want to call that can be the bridge between there. And that's because someone who has identified as an atheist most of their life, um, just starting to see the power in that uh, big other well, I mean, I think that to a certain extent, um, they can both exist in tandem. I don't agree with this whole idea with that a lot of people have that this has to be one or the other. Like, you have to be religious or spiritual or, you know, like, atheist. Like, you can't... Or, you know, you're not, for sure, I mean, you have to, like, believe in science or you have to believe in religion. I think they can absolutely exist in tandem. And I think that yeah. for a lot of people, they fit very well together in that way. So, um... I think that it's a very interesting conversation to have. You know, it's very interesting to see how people's where people's faith ends, and you know where their 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 logic for you know for lack of a better term begins, and yeah. how they they make those work. Um, I I always get to the point where it comes to religion when it's about telling other people what they should or shouldn't believe, and that's yeah. where it comes to like this whole you know yeah you can have your faith. But you don't have to force it on other people. And by talking about it isn't necessarily forcing it on other people. I think when you start legislating stuff or when you start, you know, like becoming oppressive or violent, that's, that's a whole other world. You can have discussions about things. And, you know, you can yeah. you know, have your belief and say it out loud. But you know, I, I was talking to uh, Zach about actually doing a, um, a podcast on or doing an episode on um, 
I jokingly said we could talk about what freedom actually means. Because <laughs> you have, I mean, the stuff that's going on now, and people are like, oh, you know, like, you respect this, and it's like, okay, so on the one hand, you want us to have freedom, but it's freedom defined by your characteristics. It's freedom defined by what oh, you of course. want to do, and that's just like, then that's not freedom. Yeah. You know, that's not freedom. <laughs> yeah, um, freedom, I mean... Yeah, it always has to be met back with the question, for who? To do what? Um, same thing with liberty. Like, when people are like, ah, liberty. It's like, liberty from? Liberty to? Like, well, what is liberty? Because, you know, your liberty to steal this person's land that they've been hunting on for, you know, a couple thousand years is not probably the liberty I want to defend. Um, I think that, like, human beings are, in, like, to a certain extent... We are, as a species, we have survived through cooperation. Oh, we yeah. Have. Um, so to kind of make the individualistic argument that, you know, it's all about every individual person having the freedom to do what they want, somehow that will suss out and make things better for everyone makes no sense to me. So um, I like the idea of getting and talking to people about, you know, what they believe and getting into different subject matters. And I think that that's a really interesting I haven't heard any um, podcasts that kind of tackle loss of faith or anything like that and I mean, there's tons of them out there but I think you definitely have a unique spin on it yeah I think it'd be fun um, I, I'm definitely going to have fun with it I, I have a few interviews lined up people of different uh, persuasions so of course I feel like the, the hardest part will be of course where we live I feel like the most people I'm going to get are people who have gone into or left Christianity, um, but you know that's that's who you work with. Well, you you, you could. Here's the the good thing, the the um, positive thing about the um, internet is that I feel like you can reach out to people across the, the world. Oh yeah, get different perspectives, and especially if you you can do a phone interview, you can do oh yeah, hangout. So I mean, I don't think that you're limited to necessarily just where you live. That's if a good you point. Reach out to you know other people in other areas and I think you would be surprised the kind of responses that you might get. That's a very good point, Kason. So I, I am inside doing this I don't think you should limit yourself at all. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Oh, and to tie it in with what I was uh, talking about originally, yeah. I feel like creativity is a very important um spiritual aspect. I feel like by uh my church, the Church of the Bitten Apple, will <laughs> fall heavily. The beliefs, whatever they end up being, are going to single around creativity. Um, as like an act of uh, divine creation, you know? Uh, creativity is this weird thing that, like, like you, don't, you don't feel like you're always chasing it. Like, you never can figure out a way to, like, just make it work. Yeah, almost like it doesn't belong to me. Yeah, and I've, I've felt like that for a really long time when it comes to art. And it's almost like... I have a hard time coming back to it. And then sometimes, because it's frustrating when you, you want to do something, but you can't make it happen. And then sometimes when you get that spark and you're like, I'm driving and I see something really interesting and I know that would be cool <laughs> to draw and I can't do anything about it. By the time I get home, it's gone. And you're just like, what the hell? You know? Yeah. It can, yeah. Be, it can be frustrating. Um, especially when the feeling of creating something exactly the way that you see it in your head or close to that is probably one of the most amazing things that I've ever experienced. And it's almost like 
not being able to get back to that is super frustrating. Yeah, it, it's it's unreal in a, in a large sense. I know what you mean. It's, all, it's like, I almost feel like I understand why people do drugs. <laughs> like, I understand, like, oh, I gotta get this feeling back, and all I have to do is just inject this fluid into my blood? Cool. <laughs> Done. You know? Um, I'm not condoning drug use, guys, but uh, I just think it's, I understand it. I understand that drive. You know? Um, but then again, I'm also this. I don't know how I feel about getting something you don't work for. Like, and I'm not necessarily, you know, Mr. You know, hard work, whatever, but I think that there is something to be said about going through the process to get to a, a interesting result. And I think that to just have it yeah. um, makes it less of a good feeling when you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's, um, there's, yeah. This is something that I've been pondering for a couple of years. Um, you know, when like these monks and stuff can go into meditation and like you see the, like scientists have done brain scans where like their brain waves change through like whether it's silent meditation or chanting, you know, physical meditation, there's different ones, but they've shown this like change in the brain waves um, of the monks and it's like a noted thing. And now they have the ability to pretty much to induce that change in you um, through a like mechanical means, you know, basically like sending the right electro signals to your brains to change those waves and induce a different wavelength, uh, wavelength, brain waves um, in you. And the the thought that make I always think is like, well, is that like so if you can program a machine to give someone enlightenment would that be enlightenment hmm. like because That's a very interesting question. or is enlightenment the tied to the process yeah. of reaching that huh. it is a very interesting question yeah, like really interesting. and how could you really know unless you had reached the process of enlightenment how could you know if the machine actually gives you the same thing but you can't experience the machine on its own if you have already reached that it's, well it's like it's um, that's really because it's perception is reality right so how would you know and would there really be a difference right i'm not sure this is a question this is a, <laughs> that's a really interesting question so wow. that's that's something I'll, we'll try to figure out <laughs> um so yeah, thank you. I, I really appreciate you letting letting me pick your mind and letting us record it. Um, <laughs> I know it was, it's really hot in here right now. I don't think I probably mention it every time, and I can't remember. We record in a sweat box. Yeah, we're all nice. hallucinating by the end of this. <laughs> oh wait, Zach's not here. Uh, I thought he was. I was hallucinating early today. Um, next week we're gonna record. We're gonna talk about. Technology, uh, right? Yeah, um, I had a very interesting. I just um, upgraded um, my my um, iOS, my iPhone six. I just upgraded to the new iOS eleven, and they had this feature. And it's uh, interesting because they had this an app in Android for a while um, that did the same thing. They just actually integrated this into iOS. Is that when you start driving your car, either it connects to the Bluetooth or it uses your accelerometer, and then it puts you automatically in like. Um, do not disturb mode is do not disturb while driving. And I, now that I, I have it and I've had it for a couple days, I realized how often I would reach for my phone 
at any given opportunity while I was driving and not having the notifications come through to like kind of like prompt me like oh you have a message or you have a call or something coming through like it kind of opened my eyes to like yeah I really shouldn't be doing this and why did I feel it's so necessary to do this why did I feel like if there's a little buzz or a little like sound that I have to pick up my phone regardless of what I'm doing you know like it was like it was programming me to to interact with it and oh, that kind man. of bothered me so I thought about the idea of technology does technology make our lives better do, does interacting with it make our lives better um, do I need to be connected to the world and everybody at all times and what is that doing to me and to us as a society as, whole, as a whole so um, I, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about yeah I, I look forward to that conversation especially with Zach as well who's never lived in a world without the internet which is crazy to think about because we barely there, but we're there. Yeah. We would still remember. I mean, I didn't get like there's a popular about, internet. You know, my my generation. I'm 34. Like that kind of micro generation between um, generation Gen X and, and millennials, um, because I didn't get a computer in my home until like college. I didn't get a computer till like I mean not a computer. I didn't get a, a cell phone until like I was almost out of college. And in that case, I didn't use my cell phone that much at all except for. To make phone calls and how so, fast it programmed you <laughs> so to get to the point where like i had this little supercomputer on me all the time and anyone that ever needs to get a hold of me can through various different means like that's a, a very that was the, the, basically like the second half of my life for the first half i you know I, I didn't have that connection so how does that affect you know you know like me, and then you were, you know, a little younger than I am, and then Zach has lived his entire life with the internet. Yeah. You know, so it's, I think it'd just be an interesting topic to see how each one of us views these things. When I was growing up, I thought, like, when I was in college, I'm like, oh, man, like, middle schoolers are going to be, like, geniuses. We're going to have to, like, get rid of libraries and stuff because they're going to be able to know everything. They're going to be so smart. <laughs> that has not happened at all. But, like, when I, I was like, man, I can just... Like, if I have a question, if I want to know literally anything, all it's just like a, a few taps away, that's insane. Like, I'll be a genius. Yeah, but the Everyone same amount of taps could let you play a Flash game. And that, I think, is the, uh, where the issue comes <laughs> in. But um, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, delve into it next week. All right, we're across the aisle. I'm Adam. And I'm Kason. <laughs>